you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. my wife and I and able to spend the afternoon with them and they have been so refreshing to us and we've enjoyed our time of fellowship with them and we're not done yet. God's not done yet. Are you ready to open your heart and receive the word of the Lord tonight? You got some more worship in you? Brother and Sister Pedigo minister all over the world. We talked about some of those overseas ventures and mission trips today. They are truly a blessing to the kingdom of God wherever they go and around the world. This morning, Brother Pedigo sung one of the songs that he wrote, Keep Believing. And I've heard that song many, many times. But every time that I hear that song again, my heart is touched. I thank God for our apostolic music, writers, composers. There is a certain anointing that comes with apostolic ministry that is just simply unexplainable. It is truly a work of God. We're honored tonight to have them with us. If you don't already have their music downloaded, their music is available tonight. Be sure to stop by and pick up a CD or get a download, however it is that they're making it available tonight. You're going to be blessed by that. I want you to put your hands together once more and a welcome... Brother Tim and Sister Adina Pedigo, God bless you. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, give that to the Lord. He alone is worthy. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Always hurrying my way The pace is fast to my best to last Through another day Of building up my kingdom Block by block I reach for more And dream of ways to stay ahead Of where I've been Try to rule this world I have claimed as mine Leaving all my thoughts of you And who you are behind But when I'm gone 
all I've owned is just a thought in time. You'll still be Lord of all. You'll still be Lord of all. You'll still be Lord of all. When the last kingdom crumbles, when the last sunset falls, you'll still be Lord of your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. Amen. I'm so glad to know him in a very special way tonight. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to sing one more. Not that one though. This one. I've got so much to 
blessings and so many open doors of praise oh, mercy along with each new day that's why I praise you Yeah. 
your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody ought to be grateful right now. Somebody ought to be thankful right now. Because God has sustained you one more day. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. Again, we want to say what an honor it has been to be here with you in Frankfurt today, Christian Life Church, the Jordans, my word, they've treated us like kings and queens, and you're blessed to have great leadership here in this church. Amen. Again, to all of your ministry staff, the Lytles, the different ones, thank you for all of your help and for just being our friends for so many years. We're so proud of what God is doing in your lives and thankful that you're here helping out to our friends in the back. Thank you once again for not turning our mics off. Amen. And to each one of you, thank you for being faithful to the house of God post-pandemic. It would be easy, we were kind of joking about it a little bit earlier, somewhat. It wasn't really too funny because uh, uh, it kind of got old. But, you know, when the whole thing first shut down back in March, you know, and the next Sunday everything was online, it was kind of cute for about this long to see everybody propped up in their lazy boys with popcorn watching church. But it got ugly real quick. By the second Sunday they were having a competition. Oh, you got popcorn? Yeah, we got nachos. I'm glad that's over, and I'm glad you're back in the house of God. This is where we belong right here. This is where we belong right here. Amen. I want to turn your attention tonight to Psalm chapter 42. Psalm 42. Amen. So grateful for the hand of God, and I'm so excited. This is our second time to be able to be here in your new facility to us. You've been in it a while now, but we are so thankful for what God is doing here in your congregation, so excited. We're talking with the Jordans today about the next phases, and we're just thrilled. He drove us around, showed us the property back here in the back. So excited for what God is doing in your midst here. Amen. God is truly awesome. And you know what? He shows favor. We're faithful and we're true, and we just keep doing what we do as a church, and God shows us favor and just keep putting opportunities in front of us, and that's a good thing. Amen. Psalm 42, verse 7. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Verse 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. I want to speak to you just for a few moments. A song in the night. A song in the night. It's not the only time this is mentioned in the scripture. We'll mention a couple of other times, but a song is so powerful. I, I love, uh, of course, uh, obviously I love music, but I was somebody was asking me one time to talk about music, and I, I was trying to define what it is, and, and I came across a quote by Lucian Price, and, and I, I don't have it verbatim, but the gist of it was this. He said, music is the stuff of creation. Nobody can really define what it is because we don't know. 
It's ethereal. It just comes out of nowhere and it grabs a hold of us. It transports us out of our situation and into another. It takes us places and it soothes our spirit. Now that's what music is. You want to define it better? Great. I, I can't put it into better words than that. And I, I just know that there are moments and times in my life that I could take you to uh, that are crystallized by music. I remember as a second grader, Dallas, Texas, we did a field trip. And they took us on buses to the Fair Park Music Hall, the State Fair Park Music Hall there in East Dallas to see the symphony. Second grade, no clue. Bunch of instruments. And the maestro was there, and he, he had the whole orchestra sitting up here. And one by one, he went around the room. Now, this is the first violin, and he stood and he played. He said, and this is what you have when you add another. And they played a duet. Then he went to the cello and the double bass and the oboe and the bassoon and on and on and on. And he got down to the end, and he said, now, the most important instrument on the stage. And he turned, and he did like that. And a man stood up and went, He said, the secret to the orchestra is it all has to be in context. And if you can't hear the triangle, then someone's too loud. This is a team we're on here, folks. And when we begin to make music like we were making at the first of the service, it does something special. It transports not only us out of our situation, but it transports the Holy Spirit into our presence. You understand what I'm saying? A song has a power like nothing else does. It transports you. I, I remember that symphony orchestra playing. And they began, he said, uh, let's just show you an example. And they began to play. And this is what I heard. He's crazy. He's lost his mind. As a second grader, something about that melody stuck. And for years, I went around. And most guys were going. And I was. Wasn't real popular. But I got to college, and I was sitting in the recital hall. And my instructor walked in. We were studying symphonies. And my instructor walked in. She says, today we are going to study Brahms. This is the adagio section of symphony number three. And she pulled out that big black 12-inch thing called an album. That gives you a clue how long ago that was. She put it on the machine and she dropped the needle. And you know what I heard? da 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 First time in my life I ever knew what that was. All those years, it transported me back to that moment in the music hall. That's how powerful music is. It stuck in my brain. I would go around him. I had no idea what it was, but something powerful about that melody stuck in my brain. Yeah, I can remember going. My brother took me to Fair, uh, Keith Park in Dallas one day. We were walking through, and they had piped-in music. Let me see if I can just, I got nothing here. See, that's, oh, see, it takes an expert. Okay. Anybody know what I'm playing? 
you've heard it, hadn't you? You don't know what it is, but you've heard it, hadn't you? Yeah. The melody goes. That's about the extent. Sorry, Sister Carol. That's about as best I can do. But the point was this. I heard that over and over for years, and it turns out it was some love theme written by some composers called uh, Love Theme Summer of 42 or something like that. I don't know. But it just stuck in my brain. Powerful music. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and a preacher was preaching, and he said, I came across an old hymn. Isn't it amazing how uh, you think you've heard all the old hymns? Yeah, it's not going to happen because there's always one more hymnal you've never seen. He said, I, I heard this song. It got in my spirit, and I have been humming this all week. And he began to sing, my life goes on in endless song. Above earth's lamentations, I hear the real, though fall off hymn, that hails a new creation. Through all the tumult and the strife, I hear its music ringing. It sounds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? That last line got me. I was like, man, that's powerful. Then he went on. While though the tempest loudly roars, I hear the truth it liveth. And though the darkness round me close, songs in the night it giveth. No storm can shake my inmost calm while on that rock I'm clinging. Since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Don't you just love that? I'm telling you, while he is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? This great God loved me so much that he robed himself in flesh, came to this earth, made a way for redemption for my soul. How can I keep from singing? How can I go around in the mully grubs and not sing praises unto this God? It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. David, of course. David is amazing. The power of music is demonstrated clearly in the Old Testament in the relationship between David the shepherd, harpist, and King Saul. It's an amazing thing when you think of the music that he made. Whenever Saul was tormented by evil or emotionally disturbed, he called for David to come and play the harp because it soothed his spirit. It brought something to him like peace that he could not feel in any other way. And the evil spirit would leave Saul for a while and he was able to recover some of his physical and emotional strength. Saul's troubled spirit was due to the declining spiritual state in his own life and what he had done by his own choice and his own choosing. And it's an amazing thing when you look at David and how important this was to him. And uh, I, I believe it's, it, it's a powerful thing that we do, folks. And uh, this is not self-serving at all. I don't mean it that way at all. But I'm just telling you something. It, you need to fill your car and your home with good old apostolic Holy Ghost music. You need to fill your car because music will spark you into singing when nothing else will. It needs to be in your house. You know why? Because those children coming up need to learn the hymns of the church. They need to, and I got to tell you, 
I like old songs. I like new songs. I got no problem with modern worship songs. But there is something about a language we spoke 50, 60, 80, 100 years ago that we don't use words like that anymore. Some of those old hymns have language that's so rich and thick and it touches something deeper in us. You got to reach back and find something back there that says, since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? Something that moves me. That's what David had, something that moved him. And I know David's life was up and down and all of that business. Psalm 42 and 8 says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto God of my life. But that was a few scriptures, like I said this morning, after he was in the pits, right? It was back and forth. I like what Mark Lowry said. You probably know who Mark Lowry is, a Christian comedian. You know, he said, you know what? I'm just thrilled that they didn't have Prozac back in the Bible days. Because if they'd had Prozac, we'd have never had the Psalms. I'm glad to know that the psalmist had a few ups and downs. It makes my life seem more real. I'm glad that Psalm has struggled with life and just up and down. Did you know that King Saul tried to murder or have David murdered 23 times? His own father-in-law tried to kill him 23 times, and yet David just keeps doing the right thing, putting one foot in front of the other and pulling out the harp and singing to this God of creation that is so good and so faithful and picks him up when he's down. And one time... David came down off of the hill and King Saul and his men were sleeping in a cave and David slips in, pulls out his knife and trims off the corner of his robe. His own men said, David, you're a fool. You should have taken him out when you had the chance. David said, no, 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 that's not what we do. We stay true to our God and we stay true to our people and he's God's anointed king and we stay true to him and the next day when they got up all the men were shouting and somebody said somebody's been in here and the king knew exactly and he went outside and started hollering for David and David stepped up on the side of the hill. I, I love this moment because he totally bypassed Saul. He said, I want to know where the captain of the guard is. Man's been trying to kill him. 23 times he went right past Saul. I want to know where the captain of the guard is. Where were you last night when I stole in and clipped off the corner of the king's garment? He said, you weren't in here. And he held up the piece of garment. And Saul knew right then and there that he had spared his life. You know why? David had a song in his heart. And he says, I'm just going to keep doing the right thing. I will not fight against my country. I will not fight against my people. I will not fight against God's anointed. I know his hand is upon me. And one day the prophet poured the oil anointing on me. And when God's time comes, I will be king. But not today. But not today. So what am I going to do? I'm going to pull out my harp and start singing. I'm going to start singing. That's what we got to do, folks. The world's getting ugly, and it's getting bad, but you just got to put one foot in front of the other, pull out your heart, and start singing another song unto the Lord of creation, the Lord who is our redeemer. He's our helper. He's our healer. Come on, get your song in the night ready because night's coming. Night's coming. William Jordan, maybe a cousin, I don't know, wrote a book published back in 1987. Why do mockingbirds sing when most birds sleep? I don't know. Is that important to know? I, you know, it was intriguing to him, so he, he did a study and he, he started checking it out. 
Research shows that mockingbird males, especially like all songbirds, they sing to attract mates in the daytime. But unlike other birds, they also sing at night for hours on end. Turns out that mockingbirds are not singing out of joy or pleasure. There is a method to the madness. Much of the time they sing out of desperation. What is the desperation? Something's going on. And they're singing their song for a reason. William Jordan, what got him started was one night, it was summer, he had the window open, and this bird was singing and just driving him crazy. He was trying to sleep. And the bird just kept tweeting, going on. And he's like, oh, my word. Wish I had a BB gun. And so he went to the window, and he, he couldn't find the bird. He couldn't see the bird. could not figure out why this bird kept, kept singing. So he said, you know what? This is crazy. But I'm going to record this bird, and maybe, just maybe, I can play it for somebody, and they can tell me what's going on. I'm going to research this. So he put his recorder in the window, pushed record. He called it Jack and Jill. There was two of them. There was the male and the female. He said, and Jack fired up again and started singing. Singing his little heart out. Just singing, 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 singing. Went on for about 30 minutes and then stopped. He went, wow, that was a long song. And he started rewinding it. He said, let's just see if I even got that. So he pushed play and it started, started playing. And the first thing they heard was the recorder going, chirp, 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 chirp. Pause, and the next thing they heard was chirp, 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 chirp. So he pushed play again, and it went rash, 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 rash. Paused, and the next thing he heard was rash, 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 rash. So he pushed play again, and it went tweedle, 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 and stopped it. The next thing he heard was tweedle, 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 tweedle. What he found out in his research was this. The reason those mockingbirds sing at night was they're protecting their turf. So Jack was out there singing his song because Mama was in the nest with little ones. And he heard the little chirp, chirp, chirp on that recorder and thought somebody is in my backyard. Ain't having that. So when he heard chirp, 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 it was chirp, chirp, chirp. Hey, there's a big dude in here. Get out. He was protecting his turf. I'm here to tell you, when it comes nighttime and the enemy comes and starts warring with your mind, you may want to sing your song back to him. When the enemy tells you you're not good enough, you need to chirp back at him and say, oh, yeah, I am. See, I'm a child of the king. When the enemy tells you you don't have enough talent, you say, it ain't about talent. It's about my love for God. When the enemy tells you you're not smart enough or good looking enough or you don't have this and you don't have that, you say, I don't need all of that because I got Jesus on my side. Come on, people, sing your song in the night. Whatever the enemy throws at you, just sing your song a little bit louder. Jack was reacting to what he thought he perceived was in his backyard. Turns out that when he started researching this a little further, they had already figured out that mockingbirds pair off and, and they, they live together there and they, they mate and, and they have families, but they do it for like maybe one backyard or maybe two. And as he began to leave his house, he got out and started walking. And as he walked, he would hear Jack back here chirping and he would lose the sound of Jack, but he'd pick up another one. 
And as he walked through the neighborhood, every so often, here was another one and another one. And that's the way we are. And sometimes your song is going to have to be sung by you because it's in another yard. You've got your own household. You've got your own life to live. You're going to have to sing your own song. You can't live off of Brother Jordan's song. You can't live off of Brother Lytle's song. You can't live off of Mama's song or Daddy's song. Sometimes you're going to have to bow up on the enemy and sing your own song. Yeah, the night gets dark. Yeah, times get tough, but you've got to bow up, stick your chest out and say, I'm going to sing my song to my God. I'm going to praise him all the night long. He'll carry me through this night. Henry David Thoreau, the writer, he wrote The Civil Disobedience and all these essays. He wrote this. He said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. That's a famous line, famous quote. The mass of men lead lives of desperate, right, quiet desperation. What was he saying? He was breaking it down and saying it this way. He said, we get so caught up in life and it's so overwhelming and we think we're just one person and we lead lives of quiet desperation. I, what am I, just one person? How can I make any noise? How can I, how can I do anything? Uh, let me just tell you something. He might have been right about that and I think he is because we're getting more and more to a place where it's overwhelming and we're all saying, I can't fight everything. I can't fight the government. I can't fight this. I can't fight the devil. I can't fight everything. Oh, I'm just so overwhelmed. I got to tell you, you got to get past that. You got to quit get past worrying about what the government does or what's coming down next uh, around the corner with our country. You got to get past what's going to happen at school and say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand on the perch out here in the backyard and I'm going to sing my song. And I'm going to stand up for right and righteousness as long as I have breath in my body. Acts 16 is describing the disciples as they were going through Galatia. They were going out proclaiming the word of the Lord and they were forbade to preach. And they went to all different kinds of places, Philippi and Trous and Bithynia and all these places. And they were in a position where they were told not to do it anymore. And you know how that works with the disciples. That's like gasoline on a fire. Tell them not to preach, tell them not to sing. They're going to sing and preach all the louder. That's the way we all ought to be, apostolics. While the world's trying to shut us down. Can I give you a little praise report? Is that all right? I got a friend I went to Bible school with years and years ago. He started a home mission workout in Seattle, Washington. One of the toughest places in this nation. It is so liberal. They don't want churches. They don't want anything spiritual. They, they, uh, they borrowed, uh, not borrowed, but they rented a church for many years. And finally he calls me up. He says, man, you got to come out and help me dedicate our new building. And I was thinking, wow, they got a church. You know what? I got out there. It was a veterinary clinic. It was a little square building. We squeezed a few che uh, chairs in there, and they had their beginning there. And uh, a few years later, he calls me up. He says, you never believe it. We were able to purchase four houses around us, and we've knocked them down, and we've built a beautiful chapel that seats 130 people. Come out and help us dedicate. I was so excited. We went out and helped them dedicate that chapel. But here's what happened. Right after that, Everything got crazy and it started getting really dark. It got nighttime and it was time to build again. And they went to the city and the city said, look, we don't want you and we don't want your kind. And as far as we go, there will never be another permit for another church in this city. It's not going to happen. What you need to do is just, you already own the property. You can just have multiple services. You can have 10 services a day, but you're not building another church, not in this city. And they went to prayer. 
they went to prayer and started singing their song. You know what happened? God says, well, who said you needed a church? And he's, he's driving down the road one day, and he sees a building for sale, and he turns and really looks at it, and it's like God was saying, come on, dummy. What, does it really have to be white colonial with a steeple on top, or do you just need a place to worship? They saw the building. It was two, uh, two stories high, and I don't know how many thousand square feet, but it was four times as big as what they needed. He thought, oh, there's just no way. He walked in there and said, uh, is this building really for sale? And the guy said, yeah, you want it? We're about giving it away. And they, they bought the building less than what they could build a church for. The second floor became their church, and they rented out the first floor to pay for the building. See, God sometimes is just saying, all I need is somebody that will team up with me. All I need is somebody that will just keep singing the song. In the pitch black of night, when the world tells you, we don't want you here. We don't want this voice. We don't want you singing your songs. We don't want you preaching your gospel. We got to bow up against that and just keep singing that song. Paul and Silas, you know the story. They were singing, and they, they got in trouble again, and uh, they were thrown in jail. You know, it's amazing, this whole enemy thing, you know. Everything goes good until you do something really good, and then he flares up, right? I, I know that all of you were probably there, or most of you were probably there, but wasn't it an awesome thing in a couple of years ago when NAYC happened at Indianapolis? 30-something thousand, I don't know, there's all kinds of numbers. How many? 34,000 people in Lucas Oil Stadium. And I tell you what, my wife and I, we were sitting up there, we were walking around, and we were kind of in the middle ring there, right in the center, looking at the stage down there. And they sang all night, and they preached all night. And when it was over, I was standing there, and the thought hit my mind. It's like, uh uh-huh, it's over. Here come the afterburners, mass exodus. You're going to see 34,000 young people fleeing the building. I mean, really, this is prime time, right? There's girls out there. And guys. Right? That's not what happened. In Lucas Oil Stadium, where people will be doing all kinds of things on other nights, 34,000 young people hit the altar, and 45 minutes later, I had my phone out videoing 34,000 young people lifting up the name of Jesus Christ, singing their song. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. The world can do whatever they want to do. It's time for us apostolics to bow up and sing our song. (laughs) Philippians 1 and 12 says this, But I would you understand, brother, that things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherness of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in the palace and in all places. And many of the brethren of the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. What was Paul saying? He said, sometimes you're going to have a dark night. Sometimes you're going to face some things and it's not always going to be pretty. But here's the thing, if you'll just put one foot in front of the other and sing your song in the middle of that night, what you're doing is you're encouraging somebody else. Hey, if he can make it, so can I. If she can make it, so can I. Come on, somebody, sing your song even when you don't feel like singing. Job 
you know, back to what I mentioned earlier, and that is that good things, bad things happen to good people. Job, uh, I, it's a classic story in the Bible, and I don't know why we don't talk about it more in the beginning. You know, we all think of Job. Oh, Job was a good man, and oh, Job, he put up with this, and he put up with that, and, and all the other stuff. But here's the part we don't talk about. If you go to Job 1 and verse 9, then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all he hath on every side, that thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land? But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. He said, you can do anything you want to him, but you take, can't take his life. But here, let's back up a little bit. It wasn't the Job that came saying, give me a man, give me a shot. It was God that said, have you considered my servant Job? God said, have you considered my servant Job? It may just be that the night you're in right now may have been designed by God to help and change somebody else's life. Sing your song. Sing your song. It may be by God's design. God was telling Job, have no fear. I was in this long before you ever realized you were in trouble. Way back at the start, I'm the one that told Satan, have you considered my servant Job? You sang it this morning. I love this song. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph and my God will never fail. Sing your song. Sing your song. They put them in the inner prison. Paul and Silas. It was dark. It was filthy. It was nasty. It was ugly. They didn't just put them in prison. They put them in the inner prison. Dark. Wet. Damp. Nasty. Put them in there. But I believe the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm going to be there. And God start moving in the night and doing stuff that we couldn't do. And it was all because Paul stood up and began to quote scripture. And it was all because Silas stood up and had some great revelation to give them. And it was all because they understood the quotient to pi r square. It was all because they understood the, the physics of whatever you want to make it. No, it was because somewhere in the middle of that night, Paul looks at Silas and said, what do you want to sing? First of all, let's get back to where they're at. They're in the prison. And I don't know if you know anything about stocks and bonds. I didn't. We visited a palace one time, and they showed us the prison and, and all the whole deal with stocks and bonds. It's ugly, folks. When they put you in there, they chain your arms up on the wall, and you're sitting down, and between your ankles, they put a big log. And then they put chains around your feet and pull them inward. That means the longer you're there, the more crippled you become. It's painful. They were in stocks and bonds in that prison. And Paul looks over and says, what do you want to sing, Silas? What's your worship list? Paul, I don't feel much like singing. Oh, no, this is the perfect time to sing. If we start singing right now, I can tell you something's going to happen. And at midnight, Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the, 
and the prisoners heard them. What do you think started that revival? Paul and Silas started singing their songs at midnight and the prisoners heard them and something began to shake and something began to move and the walls began to quake. The prisoners heard what they had never heard before. Fellow prisoners at midnight singing praises unto God and it began to change the way they felt and the way they looked and the way they thought about it. They may have been singing, I'm going to see a victory. Really? Did you check your feet lately? I'm going to see a victory because the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory because the battle belongs to you, Lord. Verse 26, and suddenly there was an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. And then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? Somebody was willing to sing their song in the night. It shook the walls. It broke down the doors. It made the chains fall off. And the prisoners began to say, what do I have to do to get in this choir? I want to be in this choir. Come on, somebody. Sing your song. Sing your song. It's a powerful thing. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You meant to bring me pain. You meant to bring me suffering. But here's the deal, boys. When I start singing about my God, the power of his presence comes into this place and it begins to shake the foundation. It begins to shake the walls. It begins to rattle the doors. The chains start falling off. I'm just telling you, when you sing your song, you change the atmosphere of whatever room you're in. When you begin to sing in the night, it wanders off. All of that enemy out there wanders away. That's what the mockingbird was doing. He was protecting his turf. He was protecting his turf. No, not in my backyard. Not while I'm on watch. Come on, somebody, sing your song. Why is it important to sing your song? Because our children need to hear it. Because each other, we need to hear the song. Listen, when, when we need it the most, God's going to show up. He's going to shake the chains off. He's going to rattle the doors. He's going to rattle the walls. But it's first going to take somebody willing to sing your song when you don't feel like singing your song. He was working on the heart of the Philippian jailer. How different the jailer was now. He said, boys, it's not just about me. I got a whole family you got to go talk to. Isn't that just the way it works? You sing your song, suddenly there's one, and that one says, oh, but I got a whole brood over here we got to go talk to. And his whole house ended up being saved because somebody decided to sing in my pain, sing in the prison. There's power in the body, name of Jesus. And every war he wages, it didn't say, and some of the wars he wages, it didn't say he picks and chooses his battles. 
There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not Tweedledeedle. Tweedledeedle. Chirp, chirp. Rash, rash. I'm not backing down from any giants because I know how this story ends. God is on my side. I will sing my song in the night. Come on, singers, I'm done. Here's what you got to know. Listen to this. This is a little capstone on all this thing right here. Mockingbirds are called insectivores. An insectivore, they feed on the insects trying to live on your turf. The ones that eat up your tomatoes. The ones flying around like mosquitoes. A mockingbird's job is zoom down. Take him out. Take him out. That's your job. While you're singing your song, you're taking away the elements the enemy might use against somebody else. I'm going to sing my song because while I'm on this job and I'm sitting on this limb right here, I'm protecting everybody around me. I'm pulling the presence of the Lord in here. I got to keep singing my song. That old song I sang before, last verse. I lift my eyes, the clouds grow dim. I see the blue above it, and day by day the pathway's smooth. Since first I learned to love it, the peace of Christ makes fresh my heart. The fountain ever springing, all things are mine since I am his. How can I keep from singing? Let me tell you, if you're a child of God, you need to sing your song. He's put a powerful tool in your hands. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. In every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. Because I know how this story ends. I know how this story ends. I'm not sure you got it. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And every war, every war, every war, every single war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giants. Because I know how this story I know how this story ends And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the
your past. He's more worried about your future. He's more worried about your potential. We've all got skeletons. We've all got a past. But God is saying, but I can take your past and turn it into something powerful in the future. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn 